0: Stream the show on demand at catchycanradio.com.
1: Hey, 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 and welcome into First City Forum. I'm your host, Zach Layton, and uh, I'm gonna not stop believing that today is gonna be a good day. Uh, I have my good friend Jack Finnegan in the booth with me today, and I uh, by the look on your face you enjoyed that uh, dad joke oh yeah no i am I'm, I'm happy for any even before i was a dad i like dad jokes so. before you're a dad yeah. yes that is that is one of our our uh, our few common threads there is that one of our parallels is that we are both new fathers about what was it when we say five weeks I'm, we're about five weeks apart five yeah. weeks apart yeah. crazy jack's crazy. got a little head start on me just a little bit so i'm the, the more experienced <laughs> father not to steal your joke no <laughs> That's awesome. So you're kind of a a jack of all trades. Master of none, I suppose. I don't know. I feel like you're masterful in some things. Well, thank you. No, I'm, um, it's,
0: you know, one of the things I often tell people about loving life here in Ketchikan is the fact that so many individuals here work in multiple capacities, whether, you know, by virtue of having, say, different lines of work Mm -hmm. in the so-called season and the so-called off season, or just applying different skills to, to different, you know, Outfits, whether it's a nonprofit or an event that they're part of, Mm -hmm. you know, I've I've been lucky to make one of my homes here in Ketchikan First City Players, where Mm -hmm. first I was a performer, then I became a board member. Now I'm an employee. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I often boast about with respect to First City Players is the fact that we have a volunteer base that is literally hundreds of people Mm -hmm. in any any given season. And uh, I am... Seldom surprised any longer, um, but I am constantly amazed at the number of different hats that people in this community wear. And for mm-hmm. me, as um, a person who has long been a, a I don't know a seeker of of of, of, an, of an interesting life, mm. in in part because I'm lucky enough to to follow that pursuit you know mm-hmm. i'm not struggling for my survival right. the way that many people do so it, it affords me the opportunity to explore and to try things and and um, i definitely have my passions but i'm always always interested in trying or learning something new mm. and Ketchikan can is really terrific in that regard oh absolutely so
1: yeah because there's so many opportunities to try something new like you said and and there's not really as much of a threshold. Like you don't have to know somebody. It's not an exclusive club. You don't have to, there's not a, a ton. There's competition, of course, but sure. it's, it's it's more inclusive in a lot of ways, you know, especially places like, for, or, um, yeah, first city players where you can really, anyone is welcome in the doors there. Anyone can, can be on the stage. There's like, it's a home for everyone, right?
0: Yeah, and I want to touch on that for, for in, in just one moment, but I also want to add to your thought that uh, it's also such an encouraging environment mm. that uh, you know even at events like the monthly grind where sometimes mm-hmm. you see like really um, well-practiced performers sharing songs or or other works performance mm-hmm. works with the audience um, are always of course warmly greeted and then at the same time you might have someone who's just kind of new to experimenting mm-hmm. on the ukulele or with the guitar or mm-hmm. the piano the keyboard and they are they are received with the same enthusiasm and support and I just love that encouraging environment it's something that uh, I really cherish about the Story Slam, which I know we'll be talking yes. about. Um, but I, you mentioned uh, people being welcome in the door at First City Players, and, and I'm glad you did, because we sometimes, at First City Players, we sometimes wrestle with this... Um, there's this sense, I think, w- with some members of the community that there's like a... I don't know, that there's a...
1: Like well, a core group. Like or a like, core a, group, like a company. yeah. And, and know, there's, there's
0: no denying that... Um, there are, you know, regulars who mm-hmm. are going to show up for virtually yeah. every audition who, if they're not in the show, they might be working on the show. Absolutely. But we really pride ourselves on that openness that you described. Mm-hmm. And, and we're always looking for new ways to bring new faces mm-hmm. into the space because we do see ourselves as a community theater. Mm-hmm. It's critical that... We have representation from as many members of the community, as many sectors of the community mm-hmm. as possible. And sometimes that scene on the stage, sometimes it's behind the scenes. Like right now, our, see, our season selection committee is at work reading a, a whole series of plays that are under consideration for next year's mm-hmm. season. And we're, we're very deliberate about uh, making sure that we're getting representative voices on that committee from folks with divergent views mm-hmm. you know, across the political spectrum, uh, believers and non-believers mm. with respect to faith, right. um, people from different socioeconomic status, just because if, if we're going to serve the community as a community theater, mm-hmm. we, we need to be sure that there's input from multiple voices with mm-hmm. respect to the kind of season we put together.
1: Yeah, and I like that you said that uh, diversity of thought, right, because it's it's really important that you have people, like you said, with different backgrounds speaking and not just getting, you know, pigeonholed or rabbit holed into one thing, right, because it can easily go down a path that you don't want it to, and so I really, you know, appreciate that you go through that process how do you select the members for the selection committee that was a lot of selecting my words there carefully
0: <laughs> um i mean there's there's a couple steps to that process first of all we're we're, we're open if someone's interested in participating in mm. that process they should let us know mm. obviously we're we're already underway now we're not mm. i don't think we're going to be adding new faces to that committee okay because um, our, our meeting is forthcoming mm. um and they wouldn't have much time to read anyway some some of it's recruitment some of it's just word of mouth um mm. And sometimes, too, we will recognize that we don't have good representation from mm, specific. You know, a specific mm. uh, industry or from a specific uh, demographic of the community. And so we will actively seek representatives of those communities mm. out, usually by way of our board members, who mm. are we're, we're really happy and very grateful to have a very involved board, mm-hmm. uh, a very supportive board, which isn't to say that they rubber stamp everything that we do. They will... Um, You know, they will happily challenge any requests that we might make,
1: which and is great to have that, oh, it's, that check it's necessary yeah. go through the process at least
0: you want a thoughtful board you Absolutely. don't want someone who's just green lighting
1: everything you, you, mm-hmm. you bring up
0: that, that kind of defeats the purpose mm-hmm. but we're lucky too that uh, our board members are helpful with respect to things like striking sets at the end of a production mm-hmm. or, or setting up a space before an event begins say at the Ted Ferry Civic Center or what mm-hmm. have you and often those individuals who are also from a diverse set of backgrounds mm-hmm. they have connections into portions of the community that we at the office might not know firsthand. so they are sometimes our, our best bet for getting new faces on new that face, committee. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Super valuable to have those people that have the, the ability to kind of say, hey, come, come join us, right. right, from areas that you don't have uh, access to. How many plays – do you, they read? <laughs> you, you said like, oh, they wouldn't have time to read it. It's like, yeah. oh, how? Well, you know.
0: I mean, it it, it varies. I, I don't think it's ever fewer than thirty or forty. I think it's sometimes been as many as sixty or eighty. Although wow. um, it's you know it's it's a committee, so we, and there isn't. There really frankly isn't time to like scrutinize mm-hmm. you know and analyze every single script that comes across read our a little our bit. Desk, mm-hmm. Right. So we will, you know, we will encourage the committee members if they're reading a work and they get, say, halfway through the first act and it's just not resonating with them at all, to mm-hmm. make note of that fact and to put it aside and to move on to other pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, because if it doesn't connect with you... Now, I mean, you know, as as, as a man of the performing arts, that yeah, sometimes the way things are written on the page mm-hmm. isn't necessarily a direct reflection of how they will present on the stage. Yeah,
1: it's not going to come across the same way. Yeah,
0: and I'm for me, I can give a, a, a personal example. When we were reading for a couple seasons back, and the musical Honk was mm. suggested, mm-hmm. I read it. I was mm-hmm. not... Taken with it, shrugs. It's a musical, so I sought out cast recordings and a couple of video excerpts mm. of other productions. I wasn't taken with it. We had the conversation. I, I, mm-hmm. There were clearly some folks who were excited about it. A little I apprehensive. Was, yeah, I was like, eh, if I mean, if Me- there's nothing else, and then we produced it, and then I saw it, and I was charmed.
1: Yeah, and it absolutely. wasn't
0: until it was brought to life on the stage that mm-hmm. I, I fully understood. The beauty and the power of that particular show. Mm-hmm. So again, this is why there's some value in selecting by way of committee, is because not everybody's going to have the same idea, and not everybody's going to have the same totally. first, second, third choice. But by working collaboratively, hopefully, we can put together a, a season that's interesting, that's mm-hmm. relevant, mm-hmm. and that presents. Uh, we like challenges. Mm-hmm. We like challenges to our audiences. You know, we would love. We love producing pieces of theater that either cause people to think
1: mm-hmm.
0: or or force people to reimagine what theater can be. Mm. Um, we also like challenges for ourselves. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, for a group of theater-loving people,
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's not always going to be Mamma Mia, which right. is like a great spectacle and, and like sells well. People know the music. People love the uh-huh. story. It gets butts
1: in seats. Yeah, It does.
0: But we also love shows like the forthcoming Becky Shaw, which is mm-hmm. like, it's hard to explain because... Never heard of it. Right. I mean, the the... the Playwright Gina, whose last name I'm now going to forget and mispronounce,
1: Elizabeth Nelson, is like, come on, yeah, <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> we'll have her on, well, in the future to talk about that. Yeah, Get right. A little closer, right. and she can give us the whole skinny on Becky Shaw, which I've heard has impeccable writing. It's just stunningly written. Mm-hmm. It is. It
0: is a, a, a captivating drama with dark humor mm. around relationships mm. and. Um, you know, just just finding one's balance in life, mm. um, and it, it touches on a whole host of themes. It's a small cast show, which is always
1: mm-hmm.
0: for, for me, you know from the from the performance side of things, it's it's really interesting to be in a small cast because the relationships that are developed are so much more intense Intent, and are so yeah. much more not, not necessarily more nuanced than you'll get in a larger show. You just get more time to work on character development and mm-hmm. so on in a small cast show. As opposed to like a larger production, when you've got a lot of bodies moving, it's right. really about creating that picture mm. and telling the story well. You know. Absolutely. Um, but a show like that, like people are going to hear the title. It doesn't give them any idea of what it's about. Mm-hmm. They they've probably never heard of it. I hadn't heard of it before. I did an excerpt of it. Uh, Ty Hewitt, who uh, is a, a real asset mm. to the theater world here in town. Yes working, I think, teaching at Schoenbar right now, but think he's done so, a lot yeah. of work with us. He was a professor of theater up at the University of Alaska Anchorage mm. before that department was um, lost some of its funding. Mm. Um it's unfortunate. Yeah, Ty and his wife Shelly have a lot of professional experience, and we've been lucky to have them uh, involved with First City Players in a variety of capacities over the years, directing... Performing, performing yeah. teaching classes. Mm-hmm. Ty taught an adult scene study class last year, mm-hmm. and there were excerpts of Becky Shaw in oh, that scene study. Okay. And that's how that's how it got on First City Players' radar. Interesting. So we read an excerpt, then we read the play, and then it became a part of this forthcoming season.
1: Nice. No, I know. You know, having been involved with First City Players, you know, on and off throughout the years, it's really like what you said is really true. The difference between like the fall musical and the summer or spring, I guess, play is like leaps and bounds. You know, the difference between being at Pippin and sure. Peter and the star catcher was like polar opposites. And, but which is awesome too for the community. Like you said, it's community theater. Anyone can be involved. So if singing is daunting to you, but maybe you want to try out a straight play or vice versa, like maybe you you like to move and you like to sing, but you don't necessarily want to be the one like carrying a scene you know be ensemble in a musical is a great way to like be involved and and you had said that you like to be challenged as an organization but it's also great to be challenged as an individual
0: oh absolutely true so it just
1: gives us so much room to explore and play and grow and you know love having opportunities like that in the community and to that point uh I also want to encourage anyone who's interested
0: in the, the the magic, the creativity, the work of building a theater production, but who have, you know, those of you who have zero interest in performing on stage, mm-hmm. there are countless opportunities. We always need hands in the wings, mm-hmm. you know, anything from, you know, costume design, set design, mm-hmm. set building, set painting, sound. You know, I mean, there's, there's, there are countless ways to be involved. hundred percent. I've recently been teaching, um, uh, audition workshops. I've been able to visit a couple of schools around the district and mm-hmm. work with mostly fourth to sixth graders who have been mm-hmm. reading Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, which is the play we have in production right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, in holding an audition workshop with them, we wanted to demystify that process a little bit. Mm-hmm. We try to make our auditions very fun. This is not a professional theater. Right. We're not. We're not looking to
1: like. You know, it's not. You know, expect them to be polished. Come in and no. be able to do cold read. Like we knock want to it see you apart. try
0: things and have yeah. fun and make choices. But in those visits to those classrooms, I was careful to tell the kids, not all of whom are interested in performing either. Mm. That listen, if if you're if you like theater but you don't like performing, there is still a place for you in the mm-hmm. theater.
1: A hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I've known. I've worked with many people in the past in other places who are the, you know, like the resident, you know, scene shop. I don't know, guru is what is coming to my mind right now, sure. but like, you know, they, they work for the theater and if you ask them their story, like there's this guy, Gary in uh, Bismarck, North Dakota, and he had this dream of being like a rock star hmm. and then life happened to him. And yeah. I don't remember exactly what it was. It had something to do with just either an illness in the family or something like that. And he ended up getting into the technical side and then has never looked back. And he basically lives at the bell theater Mayhus auditorium in Bismarck and he gets to see every show that's performed there he's like the you know takes care of all the rigging and all the flooring and just you know babysits when we're there when we're doing it and you know he has had this amazing career in life because he just wanted to be around theater so it's like absolutely what you're saying like you you might not even know that you love uh, can you know set construction. Or rigging lights or rigging or, lights or I, or pulling ropes or, right. or laying floors or whatever it Bob is mastery. but you get to be around it you get to be involved and you're this you're this integral part of the experience that the audience you know you're the unsung hero right because without without the lighting without the sets without the rigging that there is no show right. ultimately like the, the actors could come out there and and say their lines, but without the microphones no one would hear it in the back right right
0: right right yeah and and I will say too that. I cannot think of an exception, but the vast majority of, I don't want to say all, because I'm probably, maybe I'm wrong, but. I can't think of a volunteer who hasn't participated in one production or another Mm -hmm. that didn't end up becoming part of the larger, more extended theater family that we Mm -hmm. have here. We even, you know, we've offered for city players as a venue for folks who are doing community service hours Mm -hmm. to come help out. We have a huge space that always needs one thing or another. And Mm -hmm. and sometimes folks come to help us out. And even some of those folks who have just come just to burn a few community hours that they needed to spend end up becoming a regular face around Mm -hmm. the facility. Because it is welcoming.
1: Yeah, no, it definitely is. I know it's very uh, cozy. Yeah. I'm in the office, go hang out, yeah. say hi. Mostly cozy in the office. You go upstairs and things it's get old. a little... A little hairy, a little chilly. <laughs> it's
0: a, it's a, a beautifully chaotic space.
1: Indeed. Upstairs. Yeah. I know the first time I went up into the props area, I was like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the scene shop is even more so. Yeah. If you haven't been over there. Um, so, not to like... No, let's, <sighs> let's totally go off, because First City Players is, is obviously something that's super important to you, and you've sure. been involved in it for a long time, but that's not the only thing that you do, right? Like I said, you're Jack jack of all trades, many, many, many things, and we're getting ready for the, the season, yep. quote-unquote, to kick off, Yeah, and it uh, sounds like football reference, but it's not, uh, <laughs> and so you also are doing, you have a full-time, or like part-time charter, yeah, I mean, it's been full-time prior to the arrival of, of our baby boy, Patrick. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: the lad, this would be my... I mean, it was cruise ship, like many people, cruise ship tourism is what first brought me up here, and that was mm. a connection through a summer camp in Tennessee from many, many, many years back. Um, I came up, I did three seasons with Ketchikan Outdoors, um, little inflatables guiding folks Mm. around on the waters here.
1: Okay.
0: um, Which was sort of my, oh, it was awesome. It was was like, you know, it was just about the best job you could have on the water without your captain's license, to be honest with you. It was just awesome to be out there all the time watching whales, Mm. showing this place off to people. I mean, when I first arrived from New York City, I was Mm. very green. I read about five books regarding Ketchikan and the Tongass (laughs) on the ferry on the way up here. Because I, I, uh, three weeks later, this, you know, dude from New York City is like, hey, welcome to Catch a Can. I'm your guide. You know, <laughs> like, a little off-putting, maybe. I mean, you know, I felt like I had a bit of that imposter syndrome. Mm. I, the beautiful thing about guiding tours, though, is you're constantly fielding questions. And I'm not the type to give an answer that isn't true or that I don't have. So mm. if people would ask me questions that I didn't have the answer to, I would tell them, "Hey, it's a great question. Let's find the answer when we get back to shore." Or, mm. or, you know. And so over the years, this would be my this this coming season will be my eleventh on the water as oh, a wow. guide here. Those three years with Catch Can Outdoors gave me the sea time I needed for my captain's license, and once I had secured that credential, I began charter fishing. I've been fishing with Baronoff. This will be my eighth season with mm. that outfit, and. Um, that has been its own learning experience. Because I didn't grow up in a fishing or hunting family. I've learned both of those skills living here. And once again, you know, you're out all the time, hours at a time with small groups of people who mm-hmm. have a million questions. And uh, if you're not a catch can enthusiast, when you take to the world of tour guiding, you either become one or you leave. <laughs> <And>
1: I, <laughs> Do I fell in die. Love, yeah,
0: right. <laughs> I fell in love with this place pretty early. So mm-hmm. uh, I have taken it upon myself to, to learn as much as I can, experience as much as I can. And this summer I'll be fishing part-time because um, my wife, who works as a nurse... Um, she'll be working full time and that'll afford me a couple of days a week to get out in the water and and stick to the fishing business, which I I enjoy just getting out there, taking people fishing, showing this place off, answering
1: those questions. Mm -hmm. And then I get to see those whales. I was going to say, so it's so terrible to have to be out on oh the water every day. Although I'm sure there's some days, if it's more like today, maybe, <laughs> not as not as glorious, not as glamorous as if it's one of those beautiful, bright summer That's for days. sure. And so, I
0: will say too, with like, when I'm doing full-time, you know, full bore, like usually by late August, early September, mm-hmm. I think all of us are starting to flag a drag little, bit, a little bit. You were
1: starting to ask oh, a no, or make no. a comment. I was just going to uh, ask you if you had any, you were talking about questions you might not know the answer to, but if you had any examples of any funny. <laughs> or uh, oh ridiculous gosh. or
0: weird. Let that let that rattle around in my noggin when okay. they come up
1: later, I will let you know. Yeah, you know, I you were saying something about falling in love with this place and I remember, you know, I came here as a tourist for the, was the first time I was in Ketchikan. Oh, I didn't know that. And I was here with my family on a cruise. This was 2010. And <sighs> we were, you know, it had been one of those one of those cruises where it was beautiful in Juneau, and it was beautiful in Skagway, and then it started to cloud over, and we got here, and it was kind of a little dreary, and then it cleared up, and it was like, oh, it is nice here, too, oh. like in a different way. And I remember we were, we were tooling around town, and my mom goes, oh, look, there's a ballet studio. I wonder if they need a teacher. Ha, 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 ha. Can you believe it? And then <laughs> several years later, I was here. as I ended up arriving here as a guest artist for the Nutcracker with my best friend, Adam Bloodgood. And shortly after that, they asked if I would come back and be their assistant artistic director. And so it was just crazy how I went from being here, like thought it was a once in a lifetime, I would never be back, to now this is my second stint here. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. I don't. Know, I don't know if you did your thoughts rattle around. Weird questions from they'll Juan come in. up. Yeah, they'll come I mean, up. It's often it's,
0: it's weird comments.
1: I mean, I you know I once had. Um,
0: there was a debris field, you know, in the larger tides. Sometimes yes. we'll see, you know, massive amounts of, of timber floating mm-hmm. and uh, the water was pretty calm. So you could see this particular field from some distance, which is useful when you're boating because you mm-hmm. don't want to run into that stuff. But sometimes those fields, especially in a larger tide, can be massive. massive. I mean, yeah. you know, um, like a mile long, <sighs> half a mile wide sometimes, and, and you have to exercise some caution. But I, I had, a, I had a, an individual ask me if there'd been an accident. No, I mean, maybe like many <laughs> small natural accidents that led to this moment. Um, and then bulk kelp, you know, bull kelp's got those big bulbous tops of the stipe. It's what the fronds grow mm, yeah. off of. And, you know, it's an edible plant. You can uh-huh. pickle it sometimes. You can eat it right out of the water if it's, yeah, it's in great. good shape. Yeah, that's um, But I had a I had an individual ask me if those, she saw the the bulbs. I don't know, the fronds were maybe submerged or something. Oh, okay, yeah. We were looking at some seals on some rocks, and she asked me, <laughs> If those if those bulbs were little little floating
1: rocks, little floating rocks. No, band <laughs> name called it. Okay, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they are not. That's fun. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever um, had the opportunity to do be be a guest on a tour, mm. it may maybe somewhere else like in Hawaii or or anywhere. But they will love to tell those stories oh, about sure. the funny questions. Uh, I remember being on a tour in. Juno, maybe no. Skagway, talking about how people are like, oh, I can't see the nature. There's too many trees. Oh my gosh. In the way, like when you do interior tours. I can't even imagine here. <laughs> how, like, how do you keep us straight? So, like, someone asks you, are those floating rocks? Like, do you just draw on your theater background to to answer that? I try like, you're in the in the moment. Yeah. Don't like laugh out loud. No, I
0: try to. I try. I try to be a good host when I'm guiding. <laughs> I didn't want to play the part. Embarrass. The per but I mean internally I was busting a gut dying but yeah yeah, externally I was very polite about it and explained bulk help
1: Mm. so that sounds like a great story oh nice segue killing it (laughs) so uh, among your captaining yeah and your first city playing and all of these things you're also the host of an event called Story Slam yes tell us a little bit about how that got started first and then what it kind of looks like now
0: well the that that's a great lead into it because um, credit where credit is due i didn't start the event mm. that we that we now have as the story slam um there was a woman living here dana fitzpatrick mm. is her name i think she and her family relocated i believe to seattle mm. or that area um some years back she had started a program with the arts council six years ago now seven almost mm. it's hard for, I, time is weird time is um, yes
1: fickle yeah
0: <laughs> Dust she had the patterned wind. the, she had patterned the program that she had in mind after the moth, which is a pretty well-established storytelling, uh, organizations, maybe not the
1: right word for it. Yeah. But it's like a, yeah. And it's, uh, there's they have multiple a podcast, locations right? and you know, people, you have to submit to right. be a part of it and it's kind of semi-exclusive there's like a little bit Hollywood has one New York has one those are like the big ones and then there's a few other around the country yeah and they have a podcast the wrong word but
0: they host um, some live storytelling events as well mm-hmm. um, and uh, at the time there were there were two elements to the, the storytelling event here which also isn't the first there was one called Cut Plug from years back that mm. I think First City Players was actually part of I don't you'd have to talk to Keith Smith for the history mm-hmm. on that one I think he was involved Um, but she had a curated event where storytellers were uh, invited to perform at uh, the point cafe, which has since closed uh, on a Sunday afternoon. And those, those stories were a little more um, prepared, more polished. Mm. And then the story slam, which was still sort of nation was um, a little more informal.
1: Mm.
0: So when, when Dana was leaving town, um, Kathleen Light, and I believe Marnie Rickelman was at the Arts Council at the time, if I Mm. recall correctly. Mm They knew that I had a background in storytelling, and we can put a pin in this. Or we don't have to come back to it at all, but if you want to, there, oh, of course. F- for the five years prior to my arrival in Ketchikan, I was working on a project in travel and storytelling, which actually ties oh. into how I arrived here. They knew that I had that background, and okay. with Dana departing, they didn't want the program to end, so they asked if I would take over as host. Awesome. And uh, I agreed. I loved the idea. The, the one thing that I knew I was going to change out of the gate was mm. I was going to move away from the model of the moth, which in my view... Mm. As as much as it serves its own particular purpose, yeah. it's a little too polished for for my taste, and I think for mm. Ketchikan, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. Um, it's just a little too formal. Right. And uh, I think the expectation's too high of some sort of, like, arc, and some mm. sort of, like, you know, powerful finish. Yeah. Uh, and I wanted this? something a little more
1: um, just raw and, like... Uh-huh. Sincere, yeah. When well, the threshold for entry then is is so high that you end up with kind of an issue you had touched on earlier, which is that it, then it seems like oh, it's only the same. It's going to be the same people mm. over and over. It's like the That's difference a between like an open mic and a and a if you have like a battle of the bands, right? Battle of the bands means you have to have a band, you have to be polished, you have to practice to perform. If it's mm-hmm. an open mic, then you just have to have an idea or the nerve to get up there. The nerve which to is get up totally, there, totally, you know. Separate audience, but it's also more accessible because then maybe you go to a story slam and you're inspired, right? And then you say, "Oh, well, I could do that," right? And this is what happens all the time, Zach. Mm-hmm. Is I will have people; they'll
0: either ask me about the event they haven't been before, or they're coming with a friend, and I I encourage them because I'm an encouraging guy mm-hmm. to and consider telling people. a story. And mm-hmm. people five times out of seven, they're like, "Oh, no, no, I'm not going to no. get up there." But then they come to the event and they see. First, how informal and relaxed it is. Mm-hmm. Second, and this goes to our earlier point about audiences here, mm-hmm. how receptive the crowd is. Oh, yeah. And totally. third, I, I endeavor to do the best I can to honor the storytellers that have come across the stage. Mm. One, because they've drummed up the nerve, as mm-hmm. you mentioned. Two, because it's it's tricky if you've put your name on that list and someone has come up on onto the stage and like either A, knocked everyone's socks off, or be puzzled everybody, uh-huh. <laughs> and then you've got to follow that. follow that, and yeah. so one of my roles as host is to kind of acknowledge the story that's just been told, reflect yeah. on it in a in, in a fashion and then kind of clear the air so that we're starting fresh for mm-hmm. the next storyteller to take to the stage and um, So getting back to the history of it, when when I took over, we had the curated event at the Point Cafe, which I really enjoyed because it gave me a chance to work directly with the people who were performing for us. It was an option that we gave. It wasn't required. If someone agreed to tell a story, I would make myself available to them. Because some folks are natural storytellers or very comfortable speaking publicly. A lot of people aren't. So sometimes Mm -hmm. people would elect to take that coaching, and Mm -hmm. I would meet with them for an hour or two hours and work through their story with them and just um, help them get comfortable maybe help excise some of the chaff you know mm-hmm, sometimes right. there's just some feel. Tighten it up a little yeah bit. exactly and and you know give them that encouragement so that when we would have the event at the point cafe on those sunday afternoons we had an idea of what we were getting and how it was going to flow mm. when the point closed uh, and we shifted our... Att- At the time, we were doing uh, those events on Sunday, and then Thursday evenings, we were having a, a story slam, which was on the same theme. Oh, okay. So we always have a theme, which is always just a suggestion. It's mm. no, it's a starting point. It's... it's
1: um, a, a, In- Inspiration or impetus absolutely. or something like and that. And often yeah. we have
0: stories tell story... Tell, Storytellers tell stories that have nothing to do... Mm. I'm not going to... What you gonna get? You get a demerit. You get, get out of here. Story you get, give them the cane. <laughs> <laughs> it's never a problem, uh, but it is—it's it's fascinating sometimes how one theme or another really just fires people up, or mm. gets people thinking, or gets people telling stories. Anyway, at the time, the way the the story slam was structured, people had five minutes maximum to tell their story, and a bell would ring at the four minute mark, meaning you got about a minute to wrap things up. Mm. There were also, like, door prizes involved. We'd have, like, fake secret judges who wore paper crowns. Everybody knew who they were, who would confer at the end of an event, decide oh, on their three favorite, favorite stories of the evening, and then huh. we'd award these door prizes to them, which was usually just, like, oddities that were found around the Arts Council right. building. <laughs> right. uh, why know? do we have this? Let's get rid of this. Yeah, kind of. I mean, there <laughs> were a few door prizes that I think were donated back to the Arts Council that ended up being prizes again.
1: Like White Elephant or Black exactly. Elephant. just like, recirculated exactly. gifts. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> One of the first things I wanted to do away with was the time limit. Mm -hmm. Not because I want people to ramble for 15 minutes when they get on the stage, but because if you're in the midst of sharing informally and extemporaneously if you're sharing mm. a piece of your life great word thank you and uh you hit the four minute mark and a bell rings first of all that's really jarring Darring. second of all that adds some pressure mm-hmm. uh and third of all it just shifts the dynamic I, and i just i was like you know like i don't want anybody to like command the stage
1: yeah it's not toastmasters right it's not so and
0: nothing against toastmasters no i
1: love did toastmasters definitely there, there you go growing up as wonderful organization wonderful program but it is for debate and public speaking, right. storytelling is art, shouldn't right. be limited,
0: right? So we did away with the time limit, and then I did away with the, the door prizes because I just wanted people to feel relaxed. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't want there to be any consideration beyond sharing whatever little segment of their life they felt courageous enough to share mm-hmm. with an audience. And to my delight, over the next few years, the event became more and more popular. Mm-hmm. I mean the the lowest turnout we probably ever had was on a beautiful 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 evening in may mm-hmm. it had been you know we'd had weeks of weather like this downpour mm-hmm. and then suddenly it was it felt like spring and mm. the sky was clear and I knew everybody Birds was having were chirping. yeah
1: oh my gosh whales were were leaping
0: yeah <laughs> and so like three people turned out for the event oh no none of whom signed up to tell stories <laughs> Jeff, so did you
1: just stand up there and just and just
0: rattle? Jeff Fitzwater was working with the council at the time. He was the um, he was the staff representative that evening. so Jeff and I each told a story and that was the night. That's amazing. That was w- the
1: nadir. I wish there was you know <laughs> film of this because I can just see the look on your face when it's starting and you're like, oh, oh no. no yeah no. well, yeah,
0: in my storytelling career, I once I once began a performance in an empty room, but that's a different
1: story. We should circle back to that. Yeah. And a per, you started a performance. Okay, sorry. We'll come back to we'll that. We'll come back. That's if amazing. If time permits. If time. If right. time permitting. Right. Anyway,
0: um, within a year or two years from that point, we were virtually at Standing Room Only mm. uh, for almost every story slam so that awesome. we held. This is, a, this is pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've we've found our home at the Creek Street Cabaret, which has been terrific. They have that, that great stage awesome microphone. Day. right? They have the bar. And now they have they've had food mm-hmm. and so you know the the opportunity for people to make a full evening of the event has increased but what's most important to me and the thing that i have cherished most especially about being involved in this program is the generosity of spirit mm. with which people have shared those stories of their lives or have received the telling of people's stories it has taught me so much about a community that i already love that i already adore but the the grace with which people have accepted really clumsy awkward revelations on stage mm. the support with that they've offered to people in deeply raw and emotional moments mm. the freedom with which people have laughed at the most uproarious incidents accidents bits mm-hmm. of happenstance that have been shared on that stage has been one of the most intimate, enriching, beautiful performing arts experiences of my life, let alone my time here in Ketchikan, because it's so intimate. And folks who attend the Story Slam hear me talk all the time about storytelling being an ancient art form and being Mm -hmm. this very intimate art form. They also hear me talk a lot about how, you know, a a vast majority of of Americans list public speaking as one of their number one fears, Fears, some some folks even ahead of death oh, oh wow yeah uh, <laughs> because I mean if there's no judge I mean depending on your, your you know like yeah. your, your peers don't judge you in your death you know mm. but there's that fear of judgment I think in when you life. take to the yeah. stage right interesting and with one exception in the nearly six years that I've been hosting the story slam with one exception Every single Story Slam I've hosted, we've had a first-time storyteller. It doesn't mean it's the first time they've told a story on stage, but it's the first time they've told a story at our Story Slam. And mm-hmm. that one occasion where there were no first-time storytellers, it was lighter turnout. We still had eight or nine, maybe ten storytellers. Mm-hmm. They, they'd they all just all been on our stage before. But I just, I can't, I couldn't possibly quantify the the value of hearing these humanizing elements of our neighbors Mm. lives Mm -hmm. it's 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 the kind of thing that i think is is not only good for the individual it's good for the community's soul Mm -hmm. and so uh i'm I'm really happy that we're back at the creek street cabaret we you know they had to make some adjustments there Mm -hmm. for us to get back uh, on the stage and now that they're up and running we are really happy to be back and the last couple of months we're second tuesday of every month okay so that's Coming up next, next Tuesday. Tuesday, the 11th, oh. I believe. Perfect. Um, second Tuesday of every month, doors open at 6, sign-ups begin at 7, stories begin promptly at 7.30. Sometimes we get three, four, five storytellers, sometimes we get 9, 10, 11, sometimes if a theme really has people excited, yeah, I have to up. hide the sign-up sheet because <laughs> I don't want to be there till midnight as much as <laughs> I love the event, right? Uh, especially in the summertime when i got to get up early the next morning mm-hmm. to take people fishing. <laughs> and, uh, I think... The, I think we had close to 20 storytellers on one event a couple summers back, um, and it's it's just, it's lovely. And it's informal. You know, come and go as you please. Just mm-hmm. be respectful of the people on stage, and if you're on that stage, remember there's somebody else waiting to tell a story.
1: Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. so you don't have to sign up ahead of time. You no. just, you show up, like, show open up. mic style. If you right. want to, if you, if you feel inspired even while you're listening to stories, if there's room on the sign-up sheet, go sign up in yeah. the middle. Exactly right. Um, you know, go with really, like, no expectations follow the theme or don't sounds like, yeah, it sounds like a blast. It's a blast.
0: It's a blast. And I, I, I'm so grateful that I've had the opportunity not only to be part of it over these years, but to help kind of help it take the shape that it has now, mm-hmm. which I don't, I'm not trying to take credit for something. I think all I've really done is give it space, you know, and I've, I've mm-hmm. let, I've let the, the stories that are told on that stage, and the audience response to those stories drive the format as it exists mm. now you know now that we've done away with some of the you know the, the, the time limit and so on mm. I, I feel like it's become a place where people feel comfortable either hearing other people's stories or sharing their own mm. and to your point to what you, the, the comment you made just a moment ago i cannot tell you how many times people have been in the audience mm. not intending to tell a story mm-hmm. they hear something that triggers a thought for them and they go up to that sheet put mm-hmm. their name down and next thing I know they're on that stage
1: sounds like a lot of fun is there a there's not a cover charge for that is there three dollars at the door and they three dollars how did you come to three uh, dollars
0: that came out of the arts Council I don't know it's just it's um you know it's just like a little a little bit of buy-in for one it helps cover things like poster costs mm. and so on it's not a like a massively expensive event to produce but mm-hmm. there are some costs associated and um you know, it's uh, it's just it's just to to maybe tune people into the fact that this is not like it is informal, but it's not like mm-hmm. something you're gonna walk all over. You
1: know? Yeah, you can't just walk in, and you don't want any uh, hecklers. Maybe
0: right? And, and three dollars isn't a huge ask. We feel like you know. Yeah. Um, I was
1: just I was just uh, you know whenever it's like an arbitrary number like yeah. three, I'm always just like, why you know. Uh, where is that there's somewhere where the speed limit is like 12 or 14 it's like why 14 and <laughs> yeah, not 15 right, right. or like why 12 and not 10 like you know like, it's why like 3 and not 5 you know right, what I mean it's right. like 3 seems more accessible than 5 it's like that you know the, the movie theater popcorn how like the yeah. the large is only a dollar more than a medium right. and the medium is overpriced so that you get the large right right not right. that you're doing that at no, all no, Sorry, no, I mean no like, it's
0: fine you know, it's, it's funny, too, because what often happens, with even if we have a full house, if I walk in and the place is just jammed with people who are ready to see an event, mm-hmm. and I get to the sign-up sheet expecting to see 10 or 12 names down, and there's one, you know, mm. I I'll constantly make jokes about, well, it's $3 for one story tonight, it's worth you know, a buck a story. There's only three people signed right. up. <laughs> but What invariably happens, I'll be at the top of the event. I'm ready to get things started. There's one, two, three, maybe four names down. I'm like, all right, well, it's going to be a quick one. Mm. And then an hour later, you mm-hmm. know, we're halfway through the list. There's now 10 names down. Mm-hmm. I would say on average, it probably goes about hour, hour and a half, mm. two hours if, it's, if, if people are really jumping up there to tell stories. But again, it's informal. So if, if you know, if an hour is what you can spend on a Tuesday evening mm. in, in April... Come for an hour. Hear an hour's worth of stories. And if it's time for you to hit the sack or go have a late dinner, you know, no one's going to bat an eye. Just, mm-hmm. you know, be courteous as you go. Maybe go between stories instead of on top of somebody's story. Yeah. But uh, again, it's it's pretty relaxed.
1: Yeah. It's not like seeing something at Ted Ferry or K High where you're, you know, you're, you're meant to like be part of the audience, audience or the experience right. for the whole thing. Right. It's it's like, it's come and go as you please. I should mention as well, Creek Street Cabaret being, uh, uh,
0: you know, a, a bar. A ba. A ba. It's a bye. Um And it being, you know, uh, an an event for adults, it's mm. not... Like, I know the monthly grind generally asks performers to be in the PG-13 range. KRBD, PG-13, or cleaner. We don't have that restriction at the Story Slam. So, if you were easily... Offended, not that it's, you know, regularly hoarse. <laughs> but there are, you know, there are some cuss words or some really... Um, provocative Mm. moments that are sometimes revealed on that stage. And so uh, if that's the kind of thing that, um, that puts you off, it might not be your event. But if you don't mind that kind of thing, you might encounter it.
1: Is it 21 and over? Do you, or could you, like if somebody you, was 18, they could come with someone? With someone, yeah. Okay. In fact,
0: we've had, we had a storyteller a couple seasons back who was a junior or senior in high school, was really excited about the theme, came with her parent or parents, mm-hmm. and was absolutely welcome on the stage. Mm. And as long as her parents understood that, you know, this is, we are in this facility and there mm-hmm. will sometimes be adult language used, and it was all fine. And she told okay. a, an amusing story
1: fun so it is not for the kitties but it is for everyone yeah that's awesome yeah so kind of been through everything that you sort of do except for your most recent addition to your trades which is member city council oh yeah which don't call we're not taking calls
0: <laughs> but, we, have a, we have a meeting tonight the night with a pretty packed agenda
1: yes i yeah. know i saw that i was yeah. kind of like you know, doing my, my pre, uh, pre-interview research. And I was like, Oh, there's some, some buttons on there. Sure. Good stuff. So how did you like, okay, so you're already a board member and like star of the stage and, and charter captain and father, mm-hmm. right? I know, I think you, you kind of started this before you were father, right? Um, father Jack. Yeah.
0: We, we were expecting,
1: you were expecting. So what, what how did you were you just like i'm going to be on the council like how did you come to be to even run for city council
0: um Without getting into the weeds, I've always been interested the in... The weeds are the
1: fun part, Jack. Yeah,
0: no, we don't need to get caught in All these, right, all right. The political sphere has always been of interest to in me. I mean, okay. I'm, I'm, by, I'm a humanist, by and large. I'm, interested, I'm fascinated by humanity, by our behavior, mm-hmm. by our, our interactions, by the things that motivate us and the ways that we act. That's It's always fascinated me. It's one of the things that brought me to the performing arts. It's mm. like, this is the expression of the human experience. Right. The political sphere is a very different expression of the still very human experience. Mm. And so it's something that I've always paid attention to. Um, I was, I, I'd say, as a teenager, I was more interested in like, you know, the presidential horse race than I was like professional baseball.
1: Right. Oh, interesting.
0: You know, it was just, it was just
1: it more just, interesting. It or seemed more... to have
0: a more direct bearing on my life, mm. and so it it captured my attention. And I've always anticipated that at some, in some way, at some time in my life, I would get involved. Okay. Whether mm. in the local or state or national level, I couldn't anticipate. It was just always in the back it was of just always mind. there. Yeah. And it's something that I've always paid attention to. Um, here in Ketchikan, you know, being a, a fairly remote, fairly isolated community, um, we have uh, a, a much keener sense of civility, I think. Mm-hmm. I think it's just a, a, a byproduct of the the environment we live in mm-hmm. you know we're, we're stuck on this island together and
1: yeah, we have to get along and I'm a choice it, you can't just leave
0: yeah I mean right and <laughs> if you want to be brusque with your neighbors that's that's you know it's not gonna it's not gonna do you a lot of favors in the, in the long run mm-hmm. in my view so um there was a seat that was vacated I can't remember the cause on the school board excuse me a couple years back and in the um in the in, in the endeavor to fill that seat there was one applicant the school board felt that Ketchikan could better represent itself, that one applicant was too few. So mm. they, they extended the deadline for more people to apply. Mm. And I was one of nearly a dozen people, like when I got I hadn't even I wasn't even aware of it and mm. it became I became aware of that fact. Right. I said, like, You know what, I'm gonna put my my hat on the ring. I've worked as a sub in the mm. schools right. over the years. I know a lot of the kids here both by virtue of that work and my work with First season. I was going to say as an outreach
1: coordinator, right? Right.
0: I'm from a family of educators, mm. so I have a, a, like at least a cursory knowledge of, of how the school systems function and work, what their needs mm-hmm. are, what some of the pressures are. Mm. So I'm going to throw my hat in the ring, and okay. there was a series of interviews by the school board of those candidates. And I got pretty near the end, I think we went from 11 or 10 people down to five, and I was one of those five, and then down to three, and I was one of those three, and then down to two, and I was one of those two. And the final deciding question was about, uh, was budget related, and I had to be candid that my working knowledge of budgets was so limited that that Mm. would be a a starting point for my personal education with Mm. respect to doing good work on the board. Mm -hmm. The other candidate had a robust answer Mm. Ready to, to go. that budget. And understandably, you know, they were in the middle of, of contract negotiations mm-hmm. and a big budget anyway. They really didn't need... I don't know what their reasoning was. What I, what I surmised, my, what I told myself anyway, <laughs> was that they didn't need to be teaching a new board member or on the fly how the budget
1: functioned in order to do their work. They were looking for somebody that had a working knowledge of that because that's where they were at at the time.
0: It's where they were. And th- again, this is my assumption. I don't mm-hmm. know that that's the case Again, that's what I told myself. But mm-hmm. it kind of lit the fire for me. Okay, and because w- it was it, that was me taking that was one step from the abstraction of thinking I should get involved someday, uh, maybe one day. So yeah. Like, all right, I'm gonna I'm actually gonna participate. Yeah, you some, were like uh, on the course. doorstep too. You were right. like
1: you were one step away. One from step away being there. Yeah. So it wet my whistle. Hmm.
0: And when I learned that there was um, a city council seat coming available that was a one year term. Hmm. And we were expecting. Mm -hmm. I thought that might be the perfect way for me to dip my toe into the water and see if a I can be functional Mm -hmm. in that capacity, and b if it's of interest to me. Yeah, Um, without a lot of
1: commitment, because it's not like a. It's not a three-year term, term. right? Right. If if I get in there and it's
0: terrible for me, or if it makes me unhealthy or unhappy or unwell, then I don't want to. Takes away
1: from the family too much. Exactly. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, So I've I've been in. Little more than halfway through this one year term. Okay. Uh, it has definitely been a, a pretty steep learning curve. I mean, one of the first things they threw, because I was elected in October. Right. By November, we were wrestling with the budget, which mm. is, it's got to be done by mid late December, or we run into all kinds of other mm-hmm. issues. So it was kind of a trial by fire, uh, hugely instructive. I'm really happy to say that. Uh, all of the council members that i'm seated with were really forthcoming they were really generous with their knowledge Mm -hmm. they made themselves available for questions that i had Mm -hmm. uh and though we might sometimes spar on perspectives and on issues while we're discussing what's on the agenda uh there's a, a, a really great respect between the council members and uh Everybody's got that shared interest in doing what's best for Ketchikan.
1: Absolutely. We might
0: not always agree on what is best for the community. Right. But we're all interested in finding the best path forward. Mm. So I I would say, um, you know, uh, if I were to, you know, I don't know if I'm going to put myself on the spot like this. If I were to grade myself as a council member, I think I'd give myself a solid B. B. Okay. uh, Because... It's it's hard to do a work when you're still learning the language, you know. Mm, and a lot yeah. of a lot of what I've I've had to do thus far has been um, out of your comfort zone, out of your wheelhouse. Yeah, maybe a little just bit. just unfamiliar, uh-huh. you know. And and figuring out like I've been, it's taken time, um, but I'm gradually meeting with the department heads of the 20 departments we have here in the oh, city, wow. yeah. just to get a more in depth view of of what they do and how they do it, what they're working with, what they're working against, struggles they have, strengths they have. Mm-hmm. Trying to figure out how I can in whatever way, shape, or form, facilitate their work so that the city is more functional. Um, I haven't really, like, pursued any passion projects within this role just yet because, mm-hmm. again, I'm kind of getting my lay of the land. Um, yeah. And I, I I anticipate that I'll, I'll run for a seat again. If I do, it'll be for a three-year seat rather than okay. a one-year seat okay. because now that I'm Sort of steeped in this language i 'm not going to say i 've got mastery of it, but now mm-hmm. that I've, now that i 've got a much better sense of how all of this functions, it gave me exactly what you know on a personal level when I saw the seat, what I told a lot of folks when they asked me why, why I was running mm-hmm. i 've already mentioned how i 'm an enthusiast for this community right. The way I described it was I want to get my head under the hood. I want to see how mm-hmm. things actually work. There's, it's one thing to be a cheerleader for this place and say, hey, I love Ketchikan, and here's mm-hmm. all the reasons why. It's something very different to get your hands you know, into the engine and say, like, mm-hmm. all right, what needs fixing? What, what works well? What could work better? Mm-hmm. So a lot of the learning that I'm doing now pertains to figuring out um, how I can best serve the community yeah. in this particular capacity right so um, I again I anticipate running for uh, for a three year seat in the fall and in doing so I know I'll be putting a better foot forward because I'll have a better sense of what it is
1: that mm-hmm. I can accomplish in this role and like what's what's the thing that you've maybe learned or experienced or seen that has changed your view of local politics or politics in general or just, the way that the council operates, like if you had a preconception going in versus now that you said, like you said, you're more familiar with the language, mm-hmm. you know, like maybe you had a thought, like you said, it's different to be an enthusiast, like it's difference between watching NASCAR and being a, a mechanic, <laughs> sure. right? Like, or a driver and like, oh, like this is way different. So like, what's a, a good example of something like That's that? That's a great you?
0: question. You know, I mean, one thing, just big picture, I'd say is, you know, we, we, we tend to, we tend to when I say we, I mean collectively as a as a mm. society, maybe American society, maybe Alaskan society, maybe Ketchikan. It's it's, it's hard right. to say which, mm-hmm. as a locality or community, right? It's so easy to tune into national politics and to be all mm-hmm. like hot and bothered mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. national issues, um, national topics. You know what's getting a lot of press, mm-hmm. but a lot of the real bread and butter issues really come before municipal government bodies, small mm-hmm. government bodies, and we have multiple here. I mean, you know, yes. the city of Saxman. There's the city council here of Ketchikan. There's the borough Burrow. assembly and so mm-hmm. on. But if, if you're genuinely interested in having an impact on your community in the political sphere or with respect to policies or with respect to, you know, um, regulations or ordinances or that sort of thing, focusing more on, uh, on local politics, I think, mm-hmm. is a more satisfying expenditure of those political whatever political motivations that you feel because mm-hmm. it's it's more tactile it's it's mm. it's it's accessible it's directly in front of you and i you know it's it, it'll surprise no one to know that when there's a really hot button issue that pops up all of a sudden you know a council meeting will be very well attended and there mm-hmm. will be a lot of public of commentary course. and but that's not the only time that important work happens mm-hmm. you know and I, I would encourage i love that i don't know i i know dave mitchell uh, Ketchikan High School who teaches government classes oh, right. and history. I know he is one educator who encourages students to attend meetings of bodies like this one, mm-hmm. the school board, the city council, and so on. I, I, I'm i sure there are other educators who do the same. I've just had a, a, a really friendly and, and professional relationship with, with mm-hmm. Mr. Mitchell over the years. So I'm, I'm aware of his encouraging kids to be there. And I love seeing kids show up I know some of it's really dry. Some of it's kind of mm-hmm. boring, you know.
1: Uh-huh. Business.
0: Business, and the language is sort of strange and, mm-hmm. you know. Very uh, formal sometimes. Sometimes very formal, yeah. But things that have a direct impact on our community happen there all the time. Mm-hmm. All the time. And now that I'm in it, you know, I, I, I was paying passing attention, I think, before I was campaigning. And then once once I um, filed to run, I attended every, every council meeting,
1: Mm.
0: i could get to just mm-hmm. a to like begin to acquaint myself with the language
1: yeah, familiar a and b bit.
0: get a sense for like how things function and ran as opposed to just reading about it in the newspaper hearing mm-hmm. about it on the radio and immediately after beginning attendance i was like why haven't i been coming to this mm. this is fascinating stuff it's not always you know
1: fire yeah it's all glitzy and glamorous. no right?
0: but it's interesting and mm-hmm. it again it has a direct bearing on how the community functions and a lot of important issues come up there. And we're always open for public comment, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. for specific issues or just for, like, general Generally. input. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's one of the things that I've I've taken away from this experience is that if, if you're interested in making a difference in your community, getting involved with local politics is a terrific way to do so.
1: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I, remember, I was racking my brain for the name of the author, but um, there's this book called The Moral Arc by... I'll come to you soon as we're done of course but he basically the the summary at the end is that he's, he's in his view local localism mm. is actually the way to become more moral as a society huh. because like you were saying in this national politics and the media chatter and whoever is the loudest seems like they have the most influence but at the end of the day mm. that can only have as much effect as it can have on an individual, but in the actual city, in the actual locality, it's the local government that is actually enforcing, even if something is happening on a national level, mm. it has to be enforced by the local um, like law enforcement, mm-hmm. has to be enforced, or it has to be regulated by the local government. And so his view was that if we could actually become more more local and mm. involve, engage more in localism, and that mayors Would actually become the most powerful people because they they were their their sphere of influence is more direct. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you know, and again, his his statement was very similar to yours. Like be more involved Mm -hmm. locally. Um,
0: Mayors or managers, since we are a manager strong municipality. I love that. Yeah.
1: So you had said that you know you're always open for public comments, and you know I think public comments come up in you know even board of directors meetings and things like that too. How impactful are those those public comments on a you as an individual but also on the on the body like how often do you come in there with an idea and then somebody says something during comments and it maybe shifts your paradigm
0: Oh that's a great question i mean if if my tenure were longer, I might be able to speak um, to greater depth on that question i I will say it is it's always taken. Seriously, you know, when mm-hmm. someone takes the time and has the courage to stand before us as a body and share their views or their thoughts on a subject, uh, that is taken in due course as uh, something worth listening to. Mm-hmm. There's also, you know, you you have to couch your um, reception of of that individual as knowing that, you know. They speak for themselves, or maybe they speak for, and sometimes that people will identify like I'm here on behalf of this mm. organization or this institution mm. or this, or this, group, this or group, this group of people, entity, yeah. right? But you you have to remember also that because they're the person speaking doesn't mean it's the only view that's out there.
1: Mm.
0: But those, um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 again, if my tenure were longer, I might I might have you know good examples for you, but uh, it does help to hear the thoughts of the people that we are there to represent. Mm-hmm. Because if I come into a meeting thinking I know what the answer is, and then mm-hmm. I hear from uh, a member of the community that, hey, listen, this thing you're doing is not going to work, and this is why, mm-hmm. uh, I have to take that into account. You know, I, I have to give good consideration to whether or not The path we're taking is the best best path forward. But you also have to remember that you're you're never going to make all of the people happy all of the Mm -hmm. time. You're gonna make decisions or you're gonna make votes. I have, you know, sometimes voted in the minority on subjects that I felt passionately about. Mm -hmm. Things didn't go my way. In in you know, the words of one of my fellow council members, you know, you you do your part, you you vote as you believe, and Mm -hmm. then when it's when it's done, you're You move on. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, it's, I don't feel like, I don't feel like, even if we're in disagreement about a topic or an issue, I don't feel like we go into battle. I feel it's, Mm -hmm. we go into discussion. And
1: sometimes, you know, we're human beings. There are emotions involved, you know? Um, Well, it's like you said, it's sparring, right? It's like iron mm -hmm. sharpens iron. You don't want to go in there and just have it be, you know, one person is really sharp. And cutting, and one person is soft and yielding, because then you just end up going in one direction. It's, like it's good to have that manageable, healthy, reasonable conflict, because it's gonna everyone's gonna we we benefit as a community yeah. from you having that disagreement. And the council benefits from hearing what people think. Exactly. So if, if
0: you can't show up or don't want to show up for public comment, I mean, our, our email addresses are, are on the city's website. Mm-hmm. You can, and people reach out to me directly. They call. They email. Sometimes they stop me at the grocery store and say, hey, I'm <laughs> to just give you my two cents on this thing. Mm. And, you know, it's not always convenient at the grocery store. But... <laughs> I try to answer all correspondence that I receive. sometimes it's not on topic. sometimes it's not for mm-hmm. me to answer if mm. it's a question pertaining to personnel, for example, I got a you know an email that was a personnel issue that I forwarded to the city manager because right. that's that's her role. My We're role is not to manage personnel right. as the city council member um, mm-hmm. but i do uh I do try to give due consideration to. All the thoughts that are put to, because i i'm elected to represent the people of the community you mm-hmm. know sure i have my own ideas i have my own opinions i have my own mm-hmm. values for whatever that's worth but I, i'm i'm I, i'm not on the council to represent myself i'm
1: there mm-hmm. to represent the community and if only everyone who was engaged in politics had your view <laughs> not necessarily your specific personal views but that take mm. on as being a servant and going public servant and going through that mental process. Like I I would just say, I think we would all benefit greatly if every person who was involved with politics took that tact, not to get, we're not going to go down that rabbit hole. Sure, We're not taking any sides here. I'm not taking any sides. I'm just saying <laughs> that to me, I mean, I really just on an individual level, I appreciate hearing you say that because mm. it's, it's reassuring to me to know that, Like we elected you to represent us and you're taking that stance because then that way we know that we can trust you in a way because you're not going to be just on there for your own agenda your own purpose
0: thanks i appreciate that i also i want to say i don't always get it right you know it's it's Mm -hmm. um sometimes you leave a meeting and you're like god why did i say that or why did Mm -hmm. i say that that way or why didn't i say this other thing or why didn't i voice this thought that i had and Again, we're human mm-hmm. um, and I do want to reiterate that uh, despite our, our sometimes um, our sometimes heated discussions, everyone on that council is interested in doing what's best for mm-hmm. this community and that's one thing that I take a lot of pride in being part of a, a body that, is, that has that shared investment. Apart from the council though with respect to the city, I do want to say how impressed, continually impressed I have been with the level of devotion and commitment from Not only the department heads, but so many employees in this city who take their work seriously, Mm. who not only take their jobs seriously, but value this community in a way that has them showing up at odd hours to solve crazy problems. I mean, the, the manager's report is constantly full of accolades for individuals who showed up. Mm. You know, at the crack of dawn, because some problem needed to be solved immediately, and they were the only person who could handle it. Or people staying on way after their normal mm. hours because something had to be addressed. Or showing up on holidays. Or mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I met with um, Lenny up at the at the landfill yesterday. Was landfill
1: a, Lenny, yeah, that's a
0: <laughs> the the, the man a is. I've ever heard one. He is, <laughs> he is dedicated to his work, and mm-hmm. he has a vision for the future, mm. and. And just sitting and talking with him for you know an hour and a half, I was enormously impressed with the breadth of his knowledge, the, the detail mm. that he could share with me, um, and the commitment that he's got to making sure that we've got you know, a really functioning space up there that mm-hmm. has a really difficult job. And I'm not, I'm not trying to single just one individual out. I mean, meetings I've example. had, he's just a good example, and a yeah. recent one, because I was up there yesterday. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I, I love talking to folks who are working in different departments in the city, because they, they always impress me. I haven't met any duds.
1: Love it. Moral of the story is go to Story Slam.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> next Tuesday, sign uh doors open at six, sign ups are at seven, start at seven thirty, go tell a story. What's the theme? Sorry, we totally The theme next month is Fools. Fools, of course. April Fools. Yes. Which is very open ended. It is. I love that. And then uh don't stop him at the grocery store. My wife and I always always joke that Safeway is like the public it's like club, club <laughs> Safeway. Like that's where you. That's that's actually where you meet and hang out with everyone. It's not at the bar. It's not at the restaurant. It's not at the theater. It's at Safeway. It's like the place to see all your friends. But if you have questions or comments or anything, you can always email any of the council members, including Jack. Their web, their uh, email addresses are on the city, city council website. website. Yep. And uh, be sure to see Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, which you are in. I am, yeah. We didn't even talk about that either. We'll we'll talk more about Charlie and the Chocolate Factory when we get a little bit closer. I'll have Elizabeth and the director of that show, Amanda, on later. And can you believe that it is that time? Is it really? It is. We have been here. It has. I hope you have enjoyed listening to us chat and get to know each other and get to know Jack. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. Uh, enjoy the liquid sunshine as we say here. And thank you for tuning into First City Forum here on KTKN and CatchCanRadio.com. See you next time.